Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The fantasy football season has come to an end, but this is the perfect time to take your sports viewing experience to the next level. Epson, just hook your boy up with this new Epic Vision Ultra LS800 laser projector, including their optional 120-inch silver flex screen. And I'm telling you right now, this is an absolute game changer. With an epic 120-inch picture, it's twice the size of an 85-inch TV. I should know I had one of those in my old setup and y'all know I love scouting prospects for the NFL draft and with that 4k pro UHD picture this big it can take the way that I evaluate prospect game film to a level never seen before to learn more visit epson.com forward slash wake up again that's epson.com forward slash wake up and like epson says bring the sportsbook experience home Hello, everybody. Welcome back to America's Game, episode number 31. I am your host, Eric Vanek. You can find me on Twitter at NFL, And I am once again joined by my co-host, Scott Connor. Scott, what's going on, man? You're back from vacation. Are you refreshed? You ready to go? I mean, technically, I am back from vacation, but it wasn't much of a vacation. It's about uh, four days, and I think I recorded six podcasts when I was on vacation. So, you know, kind of just run of the mill, got away from my house, didn't have to work for a couple of days, but other than that, pretty much normal stuff. Uh, it is episode 31. Uh, reminds me of when I was a kid, I used to go to Baskin Robbins and they used to advertise. I had 31 different flavors of ice cream. Um, I don't think we've done 31 different types of episodes, but this is going to be one of those, just if you're a dynasty degenerate, you just listen to Eric and I talk slash debate argue agree disagree i don't know whatever it might be but good to be here another fucking episode it is and i i can hear you this is great you know i can hear you and you're nice and loud and clear so that's always a good thing too what'd you say mm-hmm. i can't so hear you. yeah so we got um you know, you had your vacation. You're complaining about having a vacation. So I would love to have a vacation right now. Spoil a little brat. It, it's not even the, the, the vacation. I technically took the days off, but I still feel like I work because I do work. I work all the time. 
So it isn't like it's a vacation. It's just I don't get new work or more work. I just have a time to catch up on the work that I already had to do. So it's one of those vacations. It's not as awesome as it sounds. You know, I got to spend a little time with my dad. So that's good. But other than that, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, here's some time off so you don't get any more on your plate and you just catch up to everything that you still have to catch up and do. So whatever. I, I'm, I'm glad that I had some sort of time off. Well, that's fine. I'll take that. Shit. You're like complaining about it. I'm not complaining. I never complained once. Uh-huh. Not at all. I just said, you know what? It wasn't like it, it. When I say, yeah, I went on vacation for the last four days, people are like, oh, wow, you hung out at the beach and just, you know, had fun. You did everything. It was just fun and relaxing. And, you know, that, trust me, it wasn't that good. But it is what it is. It could be worse. I'll say that. We're here with another episode of America's Game, which is fun. I enjoy this, I would say, hour of my week, but usually between you and I arguing over what we're going to talk about and then you know, trying to figure out what we're going to talk about and then actually recording in the production. It is like three hours out of the 168 hours in my week. But uh, you know what? I'm blessed to have those three hours. Love doing this show with you. Yeah, me too. This is this has just been the uh, the joy of my life. So I agree with you 100%. Now that that's out of the way and people are ready to talk about Dynasty, what would you have on your mind this week? Well, there's this little thing coming up on Sunday, Scott. It's called the Super Bowl. Have you ever heard of it? I have. I've kind of blocked that part out of my uh, my head since the Bengals got eliminated. Uh, just kind of, you know, put a it took the wind out of my sails just a little bit. Um, I personally, I don't think it is that intriguing of a matchup itself, but I think some of the dynamics that come out of it from a real NFL perspective, which I think was a Maybe a good segue to what we're going to talk about today, but I do think the dynamics of, you know, you have the Chiefs that are still, you know, potentially the king of the league with a contract that they've already paid their quarterback, right? Like they're, they've already maxed out their quarterback. We were looking at the Mahomes contract last night in the, uh, in the discord and just like the dynamics of it and the cap structure and everything, like it's going to be a friendly contract for the Chiefs. Right, but it's still hard to win when you're going up against a bunch of teams that haven't had to pay their quarterback yet, and they're still at the top. So they're going up against a team that has had the luxury of not only drafting and trading well, but they're paying a quarterback that, you know, top five in the league, a second round contract. You know, they've added all these weapons. Like the the Eagles are the poster child for how to build a team without having to pay a lot even for your quarterback, not just pay him in salary, but you didn't have to draft him in the top five or top 10, you know? So the fact that the chiefs could win again and would be Mahomes' second championship. And he's won one on a rookie deal. And now he would win one when they've basically revamped the roster around him, not just the offense, but the defense. And he wins another super bowl. I think that's, that's kind of a big win for, you know, these teams saying, well, you can't win without a quarterback on a rookie contract. It's obviously easier to win with a quarterback on a rookie deal, but the dynamics of seeing Mahomes win one and basically run through teams that had cheap quarterbacks, you know, like he, you could argue the Bengals and the Eagles were the two best teams in the league with cheap quarterbacks and they beat them both if they win the Super Bowl. Like that's a big statement. So, you know, if that happens, then cool. But if the Eagles win, I think it definitely opens up doors for a lot more teams to go, man, we can, we can 
take a risk on a quarterback, try to give him two years to build around him. And if he wins, he wins. We might win big. I do think it's going to be very interesting if Jalen Hurts wins the Super Bowl. I mean, what's your thoughts on what Jalen Hurts gets paid? If I'm him, 50 plus mil a year, right? Like you all of a sudden have to look at Jalen Hurts like he's the same. He can make the same demands Lamar Jackson's making, right? Yeah, I would think he's got to be up. I don't think he's Mahomes level contract, but he's got to probably be close to Josh Allen. I would assume. Well, the, the the thing is, though, Josh Allen signed his deal almost two years ago. Mahomes signed his more than two years ago. Like the mm. the cap is twenty five percent higher now. Josh Allen right. hasn't even gotten to an AFC Championship game. Yeah. So it's kind of like if I, I I guess the the cool thing will be if Hurts wins. He goes from a guy, you remember, what, six months ago? We were talking about Jalen Hurts. This He needs to win this year just to get an extension, right? And now he could go from, I'm not sure if he's going to get an extension, to he's the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, even if it's only for a short period of time. He could get the first deal between him, Burrow, Herbert, Lamar. He could get the first extension. And all of a sudden, he's the highest paid quarterback in the league. And it happened like that. I don't think the Eagles even planned a year ago, like, hey, we be, we better win this year because next year we might have to pay Jalen Hurts the highest quarterback contract in the NFL. Like they probably don't even have that down, but they probably would have traded that if they knew they're getting a championship out of it. Like, yeah, we'll worry about that when it happens, but damn, we got a title out of it. We never expected that either. So it's just interesting how quickly things can change on a guy where in dynasty, we're wondering, man, if Jalen doesn't get that contract extension, that's risky to pay top five quarterback prices for him. Now he gets it, and you're like, "Damn, can Jalen is Jalen Hurts QB one, QB two? If he gets that deal, I could see QB two. Yeah, it's hard to say he's not. Yeah, yeah he's not already. Say like, he's not Josh Allen, right? If he gets that deal, like, right. So yeah, it's just it's funny how quickly those things change, and how quickly they can revert back the other way too. With some of these guys, like we we're talking on, I was talking on Twitter the other day about Dak Prescott, man, like. We were so excited. I mean, I know Ray's been talking about this all season. Man, next year Dallas is going to want to pass the ball. They're going to draft the first-round receiver. Dak's going to be right back there to potentially threaten in the top five, top six, right? Now they're going to franchise tag Tony Pollard, which is fine. But you're still paying, you know, franchise tag for a running back, still $10 million. So they're going to pay Tony Pollard $10 million, right? Apparently they're not going to cut Zeke. They're going to try to restructure his deal or get him to take a pay cut or whatever. But it sounds like they're he's not going to walk away. So unless they cut him, they're going to be spending an awful lot of money on freaking running back, and they hire Brian Schottenheimer. Yeah, so that was going to be my point. Nothing says I want to win football like hiring Brian Schottenheimer. Well, but isn't it the opposite of what you kind of hoped Dallas would do? That you would hope they get rid of their running backs, start fresh, draft the receiver, keep Kellen Moore, and go back to like a pass-heavy system, right? Instead, they're go- they're doing literally the opposite. They're literally yeah. trying to turn Dak Prescott into what Russell Wilson was in Seattle. So it's like yeah, he's going to need to be super efficient, and that's it. He ain't going to throw it more than you know, 30, 35 times a game, and they're going to just – probably bring in another running back on top of Pollard and Zeke and be like, yeah, let's just hammer the ball. Yeah, Yuck. that's what, that's exactly what they're going to do with Schottenheimer because that's all he loves to do, run the fucking ball. That's all his dad used to do. That's all he's been able to do really in the NFL. Like, it's just a, he was, he was, his offense was outdated fucking 10 years ago when he was with the Jets. 
Like, his offense was fucking outdated then. And now, like, it's like prehistoric fucking times now. So yeah. he's he's going to have to, like, learn a few things here, uh, especially in the past game, because ugh, it, it's ugly. And I know you've talked about it. You mentioned um, Shane's talked about it on your other podcast about Dak being basically Kirk Cousins. Like, there's no difference now. Like, I almost would rather have Kirk Cousins right now if, they're, like, they're just one 1v1, one, one-year deal, basically, the next two years. I'd probably rather have Cousins over Dak right now, especially with knowing Schottenheimer's there. Like, that just puts a – that takes the air out of the balloon for me. Yeah, I mean, in, other than Cousins being four years older than Dak, I like Cousins' head coach better. I like – his weapons just as much or better. I'd rather have Hawkinson and Jefferson than, you know, Lamb and whoever you want to count as the number two. It sounds like the Vikings kind of do understand the value of the passing game more, too. So even if they keep Thielen and KJ Osborne, it sounds like they may be a team just as likely to draft an early receiver as Dallas. And if Dallas is franchise empowered, they're probably not going to be able to keep Schultz, which is fine. They have two young guys that can take over for that spot, but. Well, you have one team talking about franchise tagging a running back and then keeping another overpaid running back. And then the other team is talking about we're not sure if we really want to keep Dalvin Cook at his salary, you know? So they're kind of going in opposite directions. So, yeah, I'm, and I was posting the, the numbers for Dak. He has 328 rushing yards in his last 28 games. So do the math on that. You're talking about maybe 12, 14 yards a game. He doesn't run. So it's like... Yeah. What it's is the all, difference all between these, all these older quarterbacks that used to be able to run? Once they get in their thirties, they stop running. That's always been the case. Like Russell Wilson doesn't run anymore. You know, you just said Dak doesn't run anymore. Um, Donovan well, McNabb your was the same way. Russell Wilson actually ran for two hundred and eighty yards last year. In one yeah, but season. I'm I'm talking about his used to when he used to put up 400, 500 a yeah. year when he was the Seahawks. Yeah, it's not there, but just to highlight that Dak doesn't run. Russ Wilson almost ran for as many yards last year in 16 games as Dak has in the last 28 games. Right. So, like, Dak is literally a pocket passer. So you were banking on if Dak is, what is he on keep trade cut? Or even in your rankings, he's like QB 10, 11, right? Like, he's right yeah. there. Yep. And, I mean... You almost have to push him down. He's not even close to me to Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson. You know what I mean? He doesn't feel like he's in that tier. He feels like he's a lot closer to the, you know, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, like that range. Tua, I mean, there's different profiles and different risk in there, but it kind of feels like he's more in that high-end QB2 at best. And so I'm kind of like, what moves can you make with Dak? I mean, I know you, neither of us are massive fans of like even Kyler Murray, but I'd much rather have Kyler over Dak, wouldn't you? Yeah. Would you take any of the four rookie quarterbacks coming in this year or Dak? I wouldn't say any of the four, but I think before all of these moves happened, I mean, and they obviously haven't fully happened yet. Like we don't know Pollard's going to for sure be tagged. We don't know they're going to keep Zeke. We don't know who they're going to draft. Like, the other argument could be, you know, it. can you see a window where Mike McCarthy and Brian Schottenheimer both just shit the bed next year and then they both get fired? 
I think that's the most likely scenario. That's probably what you root for, right? And then they go, well, that didn't work. Let me go get somebody that actually can win. Well, yeah, but you probably would have wanted Sean Payton there. Well, now Sean Payton's in Denver. You lost out on that opportunity. Probably. But the point is, at least if it gets so bad that they they clean house. What you don't want is them to be like, oh, we went 10-7. and seven. You know, now it is Dallas. So if they, like, are worse than they were this year, McCarthy's probably gone. You know, they're not going to deal with like, oh, it's going backwards. So I think there's a good chance that they do end up changing again in 2023. But like, it just feels like he's a lot closer to that tier of the quarterbacks that I don't really want. So, yeah, I mean, two weeks ago, I would have said I would take Dak over the 102. Now I'm sitting here going, man, if I can get. Let's just say conservatively, if I can get the top two quarterbacks in the class. Once I see where they land and what their draft capital is, I would definitely take two of the top four over him. Just just betting on the odds, you know what I mean? It might even be, end up being three. So, yeah, like I don't think I'd give up the 102 or the 103 right now for Dak. I'd rather just have the pick for the next couple months knowing I'm going to at least get a shot at a good quarterback profile. On some of your Dak teams, if you have Dak on a couple – would you be willing to go and just trade trade him, offer him to the 102 or the 103 team and see what happens? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the opposite of what I just said, right? Like, if I wouldn't yeah. give up those picks for him, why why wouldn't I be willing to trade him for my shot at those picks? Yeah, I think that's fair. I, honestly, I don't know if you can even get that, though. Maybe you can. Maybe the masses haven't adjusted to just how bad these moves probably will be for him. But... I think the other thing is I'm now more willing to – because let's just say two weeks ago, I was not in a hurry to take my DAC and add, uh, let's say, A.J. Brown, okay? Just as an example. Let's just say C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb, wide receiver three in Dynasty. You'd stack him with DAC. I wasn't in a hurry if I had C.D. Lamb and DAC as a stack to go and give up that stack – for like Justin Herbert, you know, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. Like if I had that stack, clearly I'm upgrading at quarterback, but I wasn't in a hurry to go make that trade. I was kind of like, yeah, cool. I'm cool with the Dak and Lamb stack, right? But today, knowing what you know, would you pay Dak and CD Lamb for Justin Herbert? Would you do it just a straight two for one? I think, I think like you're I'd still hesitant, hold, huh? Yeah, just a little bit. Like I think I'd still hold on to to Dak and Lamb on that one, but I think it's close. So if it's Dak and the 105 and the 108, would you do it? For Dak Herbert. and the 105. Yeah, 105 and 108. Yeah, I'd do that. So you value CD Lamb over two mid firsts? Yes. Okay. So if it was the 105 and a 24 first on top of Dak, would you do it? Yes. Okay. So really, it's more of the CD Lamb part that you don't want to just give him up in the deal. But if it was two like mid, mid or random first, you would add to that to go get a different quarterback if you could get if you could move up from Dak. Then yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that's okay. fair. Yeah, and I, I I don't I wouldn't say like every team it makes sense to do that. It's harder to do that in a in a league where like you're starting twelve, you're starting thirteen. It's hard to give away two firsts on top just to get a 
quote unquote quarterback upgrade, but I'm more likely to take my DAC shares and try to add or try to go the other way. Like you said, maybe can I get, can I get Russell Wilson in two seconds for DAC? Would you do that? Yeah, I think I would take Wilson in the seconds. Yeah. So I think I'm more willing to take Dak and go down to the guys below him and see what I can get added. And it might not even have to be as much as you think, you know, like Cousins and Wilson, like you're adding four or five years with those guys. But honestly, like if you told me, would you be shocked if Cousins or Wilson put up as many points as Dak in the next two years? I wouldn't. No. So there you go. I wouldn't even be shocked if Cousins beat Dak in fucking stats next year. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that. Cousins for sure. I mean, he's been consistently top twelve, and I think, yeah. you know, the only the only weird thing with Cousins is going to be his contract. But still, like, I think he's he's kind of proven year after year after year. Like, you know what you're kind of getting from him. So, yeah, I think that's how you play Dak. It's not that I'm out on him. It's just it feels like he's at the very top of the the tier that's just below the target tier, and I just don't want to pay like the top end of that tier prices. Like when you're doing it, you like we're doing that startup right now. We're almost done with it, but it's like. Why am I paying second round startup price for Dak when, like, you can get Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, you can get those guys like five rounds later, six rounds later, you know? Like, all you need is them to, to play, and you're probably not that far off production wise from what you're getting. So, just do you want to pay for the extra years of Dak? So, anyway, enough Dak Prescott and depressing Cowboys talk. Yeah, and that all stemmed from, hey, Scott, how do you think the Super Bowl is going to go? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's why we just come up with random topics on the fly, and it morphs into something that we didn't intend. I, My original point was to transition into the idea of the rookie contracts and you know, kind of where the NFL is going with these contracts. So I don't know if you want to get into that with running backs. That was what we were originally going to talk about, but we went off tangent. Yeah, we can get into that for a second, but I kind of wanted to ask you, what, what do you think is going to happen with the Super Bowl score-wise? Who do you think is going to win? MVP, all that good shit. Eh, I mean, if I had to just say who I think is going to win, I think you got to pick the Eagles to win, but, you know. Yeah, it's only at one and a half Eagles yeah, are favorite. And I, and there has been some some people, some sharp people that are on the Chiefs side, essentially saying, you know, their their route to get to the Super Bowl, not just during the playoffs, but the regular season and all of that has been a lot harder. Uh, they have some favorable matchups against the Eagles. I think we kind of just assume, because the Eagles have absolutely mauled both of their opponents in the playoffs, that they're, you know, and, and there's this perception that the, the Chiefs are banged up, quote-unquote banged up, right? They have some guys that are going to be out, but... You know, yeah, it sounds like Juju's going to play. It does sound like Kadarius Tony has a decent shot to play. Hardman's not going to play. But, like, you're sitting here telling them, oh, they're missing McCole Hardman. Is that really that big of a loss? It's Patrick Mahomes. You know what I mean? So, I, I you know what? I'll go with the Chiefs just to pull the upset. But, you know, okay. that, that's just me. I'm going to root for the Chiefs. So, it's yeah. not really what I think is going to happen. I'll be rooting for the Chiefs, as crazy as that sounds. Over, under, two and a half. How many quarters of Canarius Tony make it through? Uh, I think he'll make it through the game. That doesn't wow. mean that doesn't mean he's going to be like out there all this all the snaps. But you're basically asking me to predict what quarter is he going to go down and limp off and never come back, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, I'll if I had to bet, I'll bet against that happening because he probably doesn't play a lot. It's not like he's been playing; he's been playing less than fifty percent of the snaps. So, like maybe they just doesn't play enough times for him to go down during the game. So I'll say, uh, give me the, give me the over. I don't think it's gonna happen. Wow. Okay. What about what color Gatorade do you think uh, is gonna be poured on the winning coach? Maybe have you dove into that prop bet? Yeah. Uh no, I have not. Has there been any leaks? No. I have no idea, to be honest. Like literally, like, even literally and figuratively, Le- yeah. leaks meaning figuratively. You know, has people leaked what what they're going to fill it with? But figuratively, it could be like, is it literally right, leaking? Right. What color is it? Right. I have no clue. No, I haven't seen any of that yet. I I did put a couple just like parlay bets in just to see what happens. I saw uh, that ticket just... you put in the chat. What was it like a four leg parlay or something like that? Yeah, it was just something I. I put together. I'll pull it up really quick. Um, well, well, read it off for the listeners so they can they can obviously go the other way because there's no way Eric has that go to block. Oh yeah, for sure. So I I put in a couple of them, but this one was a five. Um, yeah, the five a five pick one. Uh, Eagles uh, minus one and a half. Devonte Smith anytime touchdown score. Isaiah Pacheco anytime touchdown score. Devontae Smith over 79 and a half yards. Travis Kelsey, nine plus receptions. Okay. I think all that could happen if everything yeah. goes right. None of it sounded unreasonable to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I've done a couple different ones that were on here. I did um, Eagles minus one and a half. A.J. Brown anytime touchdown. Eagles to have three plus sacks. Kelsey, seven plus receptions. Okay. So. Yeah, I've just makes it fun. Put in a couple of little small bets here and there. So nothing too crazy. Have you put any bets in yet? I have not. I have not. I've uh, kind of just avoided a lot of the Super Bowl coverage because it just hasn't been all that. Hasn't got my blood boiling like other topics. So maybe I'll do a little bit this weekend just if I'm, you know, out or I mean, I'll be in, I'll be in Louisville this weekend doing the. Kentucky drafts, so I probably won't have a ton of time to talk about Super Bowl props or listen to that type of content, but I will be at a casino, so maybe Why it'll you, inspire uh, me to be like, you know what, let me put down just a couple bets just to, you know, fuck around right. and find out. Why Why don't you uh, tell the listeners what you are doing this weekend, because that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, we're going to... Um, I mean, it's another short, quick, short trip. I'm driving down on Saturday morning... And uh, it's about a four-hour drive, so just driving to Louisville, doing the KFFC uh, or KFFSC uh, big game drafts. So it's essentially just a bunch of drafts. I think we're doing we're doing more than we did last year. I think we're doing nine drafts wow. uh, over a span of uh, and me because I'm only going to be there for about 48 hours. So yeah, I'm doing all these drafts from Saturday morning until Sunday, right before the game. And, uh, yeah, they're just early, you know, early high stakes drafts and, um, get to pick all the rookies and everything before there's any ADP or there really isn't, there's no ADP. You know, there's, there's some contests out there that have started for next year already, but essentially there's no like high stakes ADP out there other than just like a few rogue contests. So I, I enjoy it because it's fun to, you know, forecast ahead, which from a, a dynasty perspective, which is what we do, 
like I would say we probably have more of an advantage picking drafts now. You know what I mean? Especially if you're going up against a bunch of guys where like they don't even know the rookies yet, let alone like they know how to kind of categorize them in terms of where they're going to go when they get drafted. Cause you got to also forecast like where's their draft capital going to be? What's their landing spot going to be? What are all these free agents going to do? Like there's so many moving parts that I think if you just structure your teams the right way and draft the right kind of players, the fact that we're doing nine of them is going to be beneficial as long as we build them the right way. And we don't waste fucking picks on the Adam Thielens of the world. And, you know, and it's not even that those guys can't be good. There's going to be some older players that are good. It's just, there's not going to be any value gain in drafting, you know, even somebody like Tyler Lockett, who I think is going to be in the same situation he's been in again next year, right? Same quarterback, everything, like everything's probably just going to be what it was this year. That doesn't feel like a guy where you go, oh, Tyler Lockett's steady. Let me draft him in round six. What's the point? You know, right. like that's not the kind of player that I want to even bother with. I'd rather just take my shots on, like, you know, how many young players in redraft. Yeah, nobody, nobody takes them. And then by the time we get to August, they're like, oh, yeah, George Pickens, round seven. You know what I mean? And even if it doesn't work out, you still gained a ton of value by getting them now when no one even knows who they are. Right, you'll probably be able to get like Josh Downs in the double figure rounds, you know, players like that. So yeah, that so makes many sense. running backs, man. Like people don't even know who like Izzy Abaconda is or Kenny McIntosh, you know. And like in by the time you get to the summer, those guys could be going in round seven, eight, nine. Just depends on where their spot is. But even if they land as backups, mm-hmm. I still don't think people will value them right. You know, like the. Alexander Madison, Daryl Henderson range from years past, like round eight to round 12. People still won't even take these guys until round 15, 16, 17, 18. So I'm like, draft my starting lineup and then just take all rookies. So much. have have you talked with uh, your partner on like where you're going to value the rookies in this draft right now? Or are you just kind of kind of talk about it when you guys get there? Not really. Not really. I made a list of, I uh, took a couple sites and just made like a quick list in terms of where I think the guys are going to go in the NFL draft. Just so we kind of have an idea of like what names to be on the radar, uh, mostly for running backs. And then I also made a list of the running backs that are veterans that are going to be changing teams or potentially getting franchise tagged or whatever. And I think when you put those two lists together, it kind of gives you a guideline of like, okay, when you get to this point in the draft and I, I'll ask your opinion on this, cause this is something I've been thinking about, like in terms of team building, you know, we like the idea of going like hero RB, right. Where you get a couple anchors and then you kind of punt and you just hope you can fill in the spots when you need it. Mm-hmm. Are you more likely to be, I don't want to say more aggressive, but would you be more likely if you were doing one of these drafts, would you be more likely to take, a anchor running back that you feel pretty safe about their role next year earlier than you would before. Just knowing that by the time you get to round three, it's like Josh Jacobs and you have no clue what he, what's even going to be his situation. Joe Mixon, Dalvin cook, like all these guys are still going to go top three or four rounds, but doesn't it feel like you, you would rather not take those guys now because like, you don't even know if they're going to be anchor running backs. It just depends pretty much on what wide receivers are there. Like if I'm getting, I had the ch- the chance to take Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, 
Devontae Adams, Diggs, Cup, one of those guys. I'm hammering those guys right now for sure. And I'm like you said, you're going to be able to get so many running backs later on that are rookies or some of these guys are going to drop, and especially at uh, the Kentucky leagues. It's pretty wide receiver heavy, so you'll see a lot of wide receivers going off the board pretty quickly. So I think you got to get those guys, in my opinion, and then whatever for the running backs, you can get them all later. I mean, you, we know the running back landscape better than most, so you'll be able to pick off guys. So probably not unless it's like I'm picking like 12th or something and all those wide receivers are gone, you know, and I'll take I'd, – I'd, I'd be comfortable taking Bijan at the 112 if he, even if he's the first fucking running back. What I've seen is you're seeing Barkley and uh, McCaffrey go in the first, and then ev- everything else after that is kind of up in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, Bijan, actually, I believe in some of the early FFPC drafts is going in like the early to mid-second. So if you yeah. are willing to take him on the turn, you can go receiver and Bijan, and then you've kind of just locked up your anchor and you hope he continues to rise. Part of the argument against that is what is the highest Bijan's ADP could get to? Top ten, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I I I think once we um, get to redraft season, he'll be a first round pick. I think. But if you're drafting him at the one ten, one eleven, one twelve, you're kind of taking him, assuming he's going to get there with no questions, yeah. right? Yeah. And you have to kind of build your team around him because now you're probably not taking another running back for a couple more rounds because you're going to hammer receiver, especially in Kentucky where it's like you got to start three. So. You know, then you get, let's say, Bijan goes because there's going to be some people that have that same approach and they're going to go, well, Bijan is like RB3 or RB4, and I'm just going to take him because I figure I'm going to have to get a share or two of them. Would you take Brees Hall in the second, or is that too risky for redraft? Because he's still going as like RB5, RB6. I think like these early drafts, I think you can maybe get him in round three-ish. But I think once we start getting closer to August and September, he'll he'll be in round two. So you would take him on like a team or two here if you got him in round three, just because you think his price might go up as he as his health starts to show that it's back to normal, and if like he's cleared by training camp, then there's going to be like no questions anymore about his injury, pretty much. Yeah, for sure. And I, I'd still I wouldn't be scared off of like Jonathan Taylor. I'd still take Jonathan Taylor probably in round two. And I, I have seen him going in round one. My, here's here here's my other question. Because there's not a lot of options at running back, you got people taking Ken Walker, RB4, ETN, mm-hmm. RB5. They're going in round two. Mm-hmm. To me, those guys are good, but it's hard for me to take those guys when I can take a locked-in top 12 or better receiver there. And I might be able to build around a, a random Joe Mixon that falls to round five. Camara around seven. You know what I mean? Like some of these guys yeah. will fall. It's like I'd rather take the Camara mix in and just gamble versus pay second round price for Travis Etienne. You know what I mean? Right. Especially if you start off like four wide receivers and then you can hit Aaron Jones Camara or Mixon Camara. Hell yeah. And that's, I think that's part of it is people are scared off on some of these veterans because they think like, oh, Dalvin's going to get cut. Aaron Jones going to get cut. Mixon going to get cut. Kamara's going to get suspended. Like they don't even want to take those guys. So they just immediately go, well, who's the running back? Oh, Ken Walker. He's young. He, you know where he's going to play next year. You know, like 
let's yeah. just take him in round two. And I'm like, man, it's hard for me to take Ken Walker over like Jalen Waddle. And I don't even love Jalen Waddle, but it's hard to say like, I'd rather have Kenneth Walker when I can get a locked in top 10, top 12 receiver. And it's like, at this point, that's the range where I'd almost start fading and just betting against the running backs being at that price. And you just got to build your team around getting enough of those guys. And then the other thing I'm struggling with is how do you value not the really old guys, right? Like not the, I'm, I'm fine fading the Raheem Mostert's, the Jarek McKinnon's, like even if those guys land back where they were, I'm still not going to probably want to take them where they're going but there's a much better chance where those guys are like, they're just dust. You know what I mean? Like if you would, I think we talked about those two last week. Like if they're not on the chiefs and the dolphins, there's a chance like they're not even in the fucking league. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So like forget about those guys, but how do you deal with these guys that are like, they could be starters like the miles Sanders, Devin Singletary types, like on name alone, they're not going to fall into like the double digit rounds, but would you feel comfortable building literally an entire running back room around four receivers, an elite quarterback, and then just a bunch of junk at running back and like miles Sanders, your RB one, like that type of build. I mean, yeah, we did it a lot last year, so why not? You know, well, I, I can... the only difference is we did it last year on teams where we kind of knew where those, at least the early ones we were taking in round five, six, seven, eight, you at least knew where they were at. You knew what yeah. team they were going to be on. They just weren't sexy picks. But here you're you're still betting on, I guess, the talent or whatever, but you're you're it's a mystery box still. So it's like you don't even have an anchor, even if it's like a dead zone anchor, you don't even have an anchor. You're just... It's like you got to just draft 10 of those guys and hope hope your your plate ends up like edible, you know what I mean? Yeah, but that's what you guys usually end up doing is drafting seven or eight running backs. So as long as you have a mix of different ones, I'm fine with that, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the way I want to play it. Um, I think the biggest change for me is going to be adapting to where the quarterbacks go because I don't want to be stuck without a good quarterback. And... I, you know, also how I typically have played in the past. Like I'm, I don't want to draft the quarterback in like round three, round four, round five. Like I'd rather just keep pushing the envelope and waiting a couple rounds. Uh, but it will be interesting to see where, you know, some of these guys that didn't have great years, like Herbert, like where does he actually go relative to yeah. like, I think I'll have a lot of Herbert because I think he'll fall. He'll go like a round or two below Burrow. And I'm like, ah. I think you'll have a lot of uh, Lamar Jackson, too, because I think people are going to yeah. be scared off of his situation. So you could probably get Lamar in round six, seven, somewhere in there. Now, this year, would you be fading like Jalen Hurts if he's going in round two, round three? No, I mean, I'd still want a shot or two at him, but not like every single team or anything like that. Yeah. That, that's the other one for me is you already know, like Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, like those three, there's going to be people that were taking them round three, round four, round five last year that they're going to bump them up even another round this year. Cause it's like, dude, I'm not getting stuck with dog shit quarterbacks. So I'm just going to take them. Like he's sitting there. I'm at the three Oh four. I'm just taking them. Even if it's around too early, I, you know, I want to build my team around Jalen Hurts. So I'm just going to take them. So that's, I think that's going to be another struggle for me is I'm going to want to diversify, but man, 
I'm gonna have to be open minded if you see uh, Mahomes sitting there in like round four. You just, even if you didn't oh, want yeah, him, you just sure. you just take him. You just take him, yeah. and they're like, I'll suck it up, even if there's a better value out there at the other positions. And what about stacking? Like, if you have a Kelsey team, are you just you definitely going for Mahomes or? You know, Jalen, you get a Jalen Hurts, you definitely trying to get AJ or Devontae, Goddard, somebody like that. Those the latter, yeah. Uh Kelsey, man, in a non tight end premium, are you can you really take Kelsey in the top six, top eight? No, not in the first round, but I think he's probably a second round pick. Yeah, that's the thing. I think there will be people that, that take him in the first just because of the positional advantage, you know, not even really about the the player itself or, you know, it's a non-Titan premium. So it's not like they actually wanted to take the tight end there, but I think just the perception of you got to take Kelsey, if you want the positional advantage is going to be pretty, pretty high. There's going to be people that take him in the first, even in non-Titan yeah. premium, which to me, I just won't have any Kelsey. If he's going there, if he's fallen to the second, then maybe, maybe one team, but mm-hmm. we'll see where I, I think one guy you guys can sneak in deep in your drafts, probably round 15-ish, maybe later, Jake Ferguson, and just fucking pray that Schultz moves on. And you guys could load up on Dallas's tight end, and he might be really good next year. Yeah. I was listening to um, another show where they were doing an FFPC draft, and lo and behold, Trey Lance, round nine. Top 10 quarterback off the board. So they're doing it again. And everything I keep reading, even with Purdy getting the surgery, that it's, it's still Purdy's job to lose. So, yeah, people are that's, that's going to be the trade yeah, as well. It's going to be fascinating to see how that 49ers job actually ends up there at the end of the day. Where would you take Kyler? Honestly, I don't think I would take him at all. So if he falls, if he starts falling behind the Dax and Cousins and Russ Wilsons, you wouldn't just pick him up as a QB two, especially if you have a QB one. That's like, like, would you have the ball? Yeah, to I a mean, Trey I, Lance, he, Kyler build. No, fuck no, no way. Um, I think as a QB two, yeah, I'm fine with taking him because you can easily drop him if he's not. But yeah, I I can't take him as my starter. There ain't no way. Well, but that's the thing is if I'm going to draft a top five or six quarterback, I'm probably not even going to bother to take a, a second quarterback. Right. But what what would be the perfect pairing with a guy like Kyler, knowing he might not even be playing for the first like six, eight weeks of the season? Mm. That's a good question. I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. Because you probably would still like you don't even view Kyler as he's one of your starters, right? You would you would still want to get like a top ten quarterback with him, right? Probably, yeah. But you probably or a guy that has a shot to be in the top ten. So like, if you took two late quarterbacks and went Matt Stafford and Kyler, like could you go Tua and Kyler? You can go Tua and Kyler, yeah, something like that too. I mean, I can see you getting two really good values on both of those guys. Like if, especially like, like if you guys took Cooper cup in the first round or whatever, and then you could get Kyler or uh, Stafford and Kyler as your two, that's not bad. And then, you know, you have the Stafford and, and cup stack. We know that's been money for two years in a row when they, when they're healthy, man, that, that just feels ugly and redraft. Doesn't it going back to Stafford? 
It does, but you could probably get him in what round 12, 13, probably Kyler, same thing. Yeah, man. I think, I think even later than that, I think Stafford will be one of those guys that is, you know, QB 20 off the board. People just take him right. at the very end. Like I don't, I, I honestly don't think people will even be viewing him in starter range. I think if you guys get a cup team, I think that's one guy you should probably at least target and have that stack because you've seen what it can do when it's healthy. How do you play, well, rookie quarterback-wise for redraft, how do you play Anthony Richardson? Would that be a guy you'd draft on every team, like outside of the top five rounds, or is he too prohibitive to have to hold in redraft? I think you could get him in... I don't think end of end of the draft, here. bottom five rounds. Yeah, I think so. Bottom five rounds, and see what happens. Especially if your quarterbacks are are weak, or you have a little question mark. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking, like, if I get Anthony Richardson as my QB two in every league, and leave the Mac Joneses, the Kenny Pickett's, those guys on waivers, because who gives a fuck, right? I can pick right. somebody like that up. Like, I almost kind of want to take a shot on Richardson in half these leagues because worst case scenario. He's a first round pick, but he doesn't start right away. But if you get a path to where he might start in the first six weeks of the season, eight weeks of the season, you could justify holding him. Now he might be, he might land somewhere and then they signed a, a clear starter ahead of him. And they're like, yeah, he's sitting for a year. Then you can cut him. But like, look where Trey Lance and Justin Fields were going as rookies. Like they were still going in the top, like 10 to 12 rounds. Remember? Yeah. And I don't even think Richardson will go anywhere close to that. So it's almost like there's no hype for him, even though he's just as good as Fields and Lance were coming in in terms of being impact for redraft right away. I think he has just as good of a shot. It's not a great shot, but it just feels like he won't get any steam. And honestly, like if you're, if you're doing these drafts, do you have any interest in like Bryce Young for redraft? Over the Kenny Pickett's and Mac Jones. Yeah, for sure. Cause he can run. So I'll I'll I would take some Bryce Young and like mix it up, Richardson, Bryce Young, Stroud. I'd even take some Levis, you know. But you're so you'd be take in. those guys over the the clear QB twos in redraft then the Pickets, the Mac Joneses, those types. Right. Yep. And I think I think you guys being in the Kentucky area, I bet you Will Levis, he'll probably go higher than a lot of those guys. Yeah, I mean, he'll be on the radar, that's for sure. I, I don't know how much I'll take of him, but yeah, I mean, he's he's probably a guy you can get later than even Richardson. Last two rounds, you know? I don't think so. I think Levis would go before Richardson. And, and almost well, every then draft. if that's the case, I'm taking Richardson in every league. Though. Well, yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying, I think Levis will go before him just because you're in that area. You know how the homerism is and people know him and all that, so... So last thing, and then we'll kind of just talk running backs for a couple minutes. How high would you take Danny Dimes? Or would you rather get your shares of him after you know he's back with the Giants? I mean, I think it's a 95% chance he's back with the Giants, to be honest. Um, I think you got to consider him as like you're the last team that needs a quarterback, and, and that's your guy. And then dimes the, or Tua. I think I said dimes before a couple weeks ago, so I'm still sticking with that. Even in redraft. So basically, if you're yeah. betting one year, you'd still take dimes. Yeah, just because of the health reasons and dimes is I don't know, I don't know top five, but he's top seven ish rushing quarterback. Yeah. Well, so. and I know 
you know him, but I I don't think a lot of people on the podcast know Jay Reed. But I I haven't talked to him about Tua, but I'm pretty sure he's gonna be like, I'm out on Tua. That dude always yeah. hits his head. <laughs> yeah, and that makes even taking Tyreek and Waddle a little scary. But I mean, we've seen what those two can do, man. Just filthy. Like Waddle's had two really good years in a row. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, it'd be interesting. You'll have to uh, share some of your uh, teams or your favorite team next week with us. Yeah, I'll um, I'll share some of the boards with you the weekend just so you can kind of get a see of a pulse of what it looks like because I, I honestly don't even know what to expect because I think this is a year – every year this will be the third year that we've done these or second year that I've done them actually in Kentucky, third year that we've done them, and it's been like you don't know what to expect – but then I think I overthink what to expect because I just assume everybody else is thinking the same way that we are. We're trying to like forecast all the stuff that's different. Yet you get there and you get in the live drafts and you're like, dude, that guy's just drafting with what happened this past year. They're literally just being like, oh, yeah, that, that's a solid re- wide receiver three. And it's like, dude, that guy might not even be on the roster. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like there is some edges to be like, yeah, I kind of know what's going to happen over the next two months in the league. Because you'll see people draft, and it's like, dude, you just took, like, Raheem Moster and Jeff Wilson in round 11 and 12. Like, those guys might be on the street. And if they're not on the Dolphins, I don't even want them. You know what I mean? Right. But people will still take them. And so it is – there is some inefficiency. So I would say anybody that's, like, kind of looking for stuff to do, like, it might not be a bad idea. It doesn't even have to be Kentucky, but jump into – you know, FFPCs doing drafts, like, underdogs doing drafts, you know? Like, jump into some drafts because – if it's not sharp, like people are still kind of just like, oh yeah, that just happened two months ago. So let's just draft that way. It's like, nah, you, you and I know how different these draft boards look after the NFL draft and after free agency. Like it's so different, so different. Yeah. And then you have, like you said, the guys changing teams that are free agents. You might have some guys getting traded like Hopkins, like, you know, where do you even take a guy like Hopkins? He could end up in somewhere shitty or he could end up in like prime, like playing with, you know, in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes kind of stuff. So how do you view like the Chris Godwin, Mike Evans types? Because people are fading the hell out of those guys because they don't know where they're going to be and they don't have Brady anymore. But what if they just get another quarterback that can get them the ball? And it's like you you got yeah. two rounds worth of value on them. Would those guys you would target, or are you kind of like, you'll just get your um, shares when I'm, you see what they do? They're guys that I wouldn't mind taking like one or two shots at, but I'm not taking them in like every single draft. Yeah. Um, definitely don't want them both on the same team, for sure. Yeah. I'd only ha- rather have just one um, and then make my bed that way. And obviously it's going to – we like to stack our quarterback, so it's hard to even – you know, know who the hell Tampa's quarterback is going to be. So you can't really have a stacking opportunity there. Yeah, it's funny because you got all, a lot of the rookies from last year, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Christian Watson. All those guys are going to have new quarterbacks. Yeah. But yet you're still facing that price of like people are going to be in on buying those guys way higher. You know, like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, those guys are going to go like round three, round four. Yeah. Round five, like you're not getting a deal on him. So it's like, do you are you really able to take, you know, Garrett Wilson based on Aaron Rodgers becoming his quarterback? Are you willing to take him over, you know, the the T. Higgins, Devontae Smith, like not maybe not over those guys, but right in the same range, you know, and you know who those guys' quarterbacks are gonna be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like um 
for the Jets and Raiders, they're they're both going all in on on Aaron Rodgers. So we'll see how that goes. Would you build some Rodgers stacks with Devontae and uh, Garrett Wilson? Yeah, for sure. I'd be and willing to do it. Bank that you're going to get one of them right and one of them wrong. Yeah, definitely. That might be. Uh, that's. Would you you think those are the, the those are the two teams that that's he's going to one of those two places if he's playing? Yeah, and they've kind of said we want to trade him to the AFC if they traded him anywhere. So both of those are AFC teams. So that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be one of those where if you end up with a couple of those stacks, if you end up with like a Garrett Wilson, Aaron Rodgers stack, could end up being one of the top, you know, six or eight stacks, and you didn't really have to pay a lot to get it compared to what people are going to be paying in. And, and that's that's pedestrian. Imagine if A-Rod goes to the Raiders. There will be people right back into building A Rod Devontae Adams stacks, won't there? Yeah, and then he's gonna have Renfro with him. I would just assume they're gonna trade Waller, but maybe they don't because their car's gone. I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like uh I know I saw that report like a week ago that they were potentially looking to move uh car and um or not car, but uh Renfro and Waller. Just because they're from the old regime, but easier said than done, you know. Which makes no sense because Renfro fits in with the McDaniel's offense, like the Wes Welker Amendola type. Like he fits in that to a fucking T. So I don't know. I don't get it. I, I maybe it's a salary thing. Maybe it's a you know he's just I mean, he's yeah, one of he, they just he's signed one of it wasn't that big he's of one a of deal. he's one of Mayock and Gruden's guys though. That's when he got signed. So I mean. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't used at all correctly last year, which surprised me because, like I said, he fit that role in that offense, and they just didn't use him like that. But he also was hurt for like a month. So, I don't know, maybe that had something to do with it. Yeah. yeah. It feels like one of those guys that Rodgers could smash with. Yeah. But, so, I mean, I'm, I'm actually interested in buying some Renfro for Dynasty if he starts being priced like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. But he could also get traded to, you know... Who the hell knows where his quarterback doesn't ever even yeah, go to him. He could be the Kyle Phillips replacement in Tennessee. There you go. <laughs> yep, Hunter Renfro traded to the uh, Hunter Titans. Renfro traded to the Titans and is just buried. He's their wide receiver one. Yeah, yeah. We want to talk running backs for. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about this show, this next week too because I think this is a bigger topic than probably we can cover in the the time we're going to spend on it for now, but. Um, I just want to talk about running backs in terms of like, what is your scope on? We've talked about the the guys that are aging out soon, the Derrick Henry and Zeke from 2016, all the 2017 Format. guys that got extensions. Yeah. yeah, all the 2017 guys. I mean, there's literally a dozen of them that are still around. Uh, and then even the 2018 guys, like it's basically just Barkley and Chubb that are still there from 2018. But that's still when you take Henry, Zeke, Barkley, Chubb, and then all the guys from 2017, like that's – 10 to 15 running backs that are making up the top 25 or so in dynasty top 30. And they've all kind of started falling in value, probably other than like Saquon and McCaffrey. They've all kind of just started to fall naturally because it's the off season, but they're still going to be guys that as long as they kind of hold their place as to what they've been, they're going to bounce right back into the range where it's like, okay, I feel comfortable betting on, you know, Dalvin cook for one more year. Cause I know he's there. I know he's going to get a lot of touches because historically the guys that get the touches in the past, they're going to get them until they, they suck, you know, or they're not on the team anymore. So like, this is kind of an anomaly. 
So my question is, you know, we saw all these guys got paid. We're going to get a lot of information in the next couple months with how these NFL treat teams treat the Damian Harris's, the Alexander Madison's, the Devin Singletary's. Like, do they even give those guys anything? Or are they being like, yeah, we'll offer you, uh, you know, a million and a half, two million a year. Just because we view you as like you're clearly not in the tier of guy that we need to pay like a, a multi-year deal for, right? But we're almost telling you you're not even as good as like Chase Brown. Like we'll just draft that guy instead, you know? Like Or if we draft him and we don't like him, we can just go get a guy like you. You know, we can go find a Kenyon Drake. We can go find Latavius Murray, like that guy. Like that can be our number three running back if we need another body. So I'm just wondering, is the NFL going to squeeze out some of these guys that we valued because they were still on rookie deals and they were decent players. Is the NFL just going to squeeze those guys out and be like, yeah, like we'll sign you, but it's going to be for like this amount of money and you're going to be the backup. And if you don't like the price, we'll just draft a guy in round five or round four. That is basically you, but younger, fresher legs doesn't cost us anything like no promises. So like, what is what is the future going to look like in a couple years? Because I don't see the stud after stud after stud running back that in two or three years, we're going to be giving them 10, 15 million a year. There isn't like eight guys in the league that I would say are even going to get a big extension. There's maybe five, six max. And then all these other guys are going to be gone. So are we looking at a future where the new normal in dynasty is just going to be Oh, let me see if I can get that Tyler Algier, that Damian Pierce. But then the very next year, we get scared in Dynasty because Damian Pierce was a fourth rounder. Eric, he could be replaced by another Damian Pierce. So we're never going to put the premium value on him to what you would want if you had him. You're sitting there going, man, I need at least a first to sell Damian Pierce. But you ain't paying a first for Damian Pierce, right? You're like, well, maybe I'll pay a first on opening day if I know he's going to be the bell cow. But then those words, like the bell cow, like that that doesn't really even exist anymore. So like, what's the future look like? Are we just going to be in this churn and burn rat race with like 95% of running backs every year once all these guys that have been around for a couple years just go away? Yeah, I think so. Because a lot of these running backs and running back rooms are just churning to multiple guys. Like... You know, we were like, oh, it's always going to be two guys. Well, some of them, it's going to three guys. So I think there that's not changing anytime soon. I think it's most teams are going to be going to two um, and have a, a solid third on most of the teams that we're talking about here. I think, you know, your Barkley's, your Bijan Robinson's, McCaffrey's, like those guys are like literally a dime a dozen. So there's going to be... You know, like you said, four, five, six of them in the league at any time, mainly. And those guys will be, you know, the workhorses that do everything. But I think even those teams, like, if the Giants keep Barkley, like, they're probably going to draft a late-round running back to kind of be his, you know, backup. Or maybe they sign, you know, a cheap guy like a Justin Jackson, somebody like that off the Wait, um, free agency, and then they have a bunch of these guys like that on their team. 
But I think, you know, for free agency, what's going to happen is a lot of these guys, like you mentioned, the Damian Harris, Singletary's, like a couple of those guys might get a, a contract that they just go ahead and, and accept it because they see the, what, what the landscape is, uh, especially with this class coming in. And there's just so many, you know, at least decent ones that when it comes after the draft, that's when we're going to start seeing a lot of the movement of like, okay, um, Denver didn't draft a running back. So, you know, Damian Harris is going to be looking, hey, can I get into Denver and be the Javante's backup? Something like that. There's going to be a lot of these guys that have to wait until after the draft to even sign. So we're going to have so many running backs that are going to be free agents still, and we're going to be looking at them on our <clears throat> on our teams, and they say F.A. next to their name. You're like, fuck, do I just want to cut this guy? Do I? What do I want to do with this guy? And you're not going to know what to do with him for a while. That's happened quite a bit the last couple of years. So I think that's pretty much the landscape that we're going to be looking at from here on out. Like, it's going to be like that every single year. So I agree with you. Yeah, and I think what we're also going to see is there's going to be some guys that we're going to see as like a tier or two below other guys. So think of a name that isn't quite in the top like five or six available free agents, but that you would still put probably like in the top 15 or so. So say like, uh, let's say Deontay Foreman, right? Right. He may jump on the first offer he gets if he's getting like three million on a one year deal. And someone's right. like, you can be our backup. And he's like, done. Because he also knows that if he doesn't take it, other jobs might fill up and then they don't offer him. But yeah. then other guys better than him might sit out on the market. And then if it's July and they're like, yeah, Deontay Foreman versus Kareem Hunt, we'll just take Kareem Hunt. Yeah. And then Deontay Foreman doesn't get any offers. So you might see some lesser guys actually go to teams or even return to their teams on deals where you're like, well, that's not that great of a deal. And it's like, well, you know, like since he resigned Samaj P. Ryan, like if I'm him, I'm almost like, okay, I'll go back. Give I me, could give see me the three Browns. mil. I'll just go back. I can see the Browns doing that with Dearness Johnson. If he just takes like his like 1.3 million or whatever again for another year. And then he has a chance to be the backup there with no hunt. Yeah. Like I can see some guys returning to teams and we've just assumed all along they're going to hit free agency. Mm. And like I was listening to a Bills show and they were talking about, well, you know, they might resign Singletary. And yeah. you're going like, why would they want Singletary? It's like, well, because they, they do like the guy. They just don't like the guy if they had to pay him like $7 million a year. But if they can get him for like $3 mil, they may just take him. Yeah, I I would rather just take the little bit of an upgrade of like four or five mil and get like a like we've talked about Montgomery, you know, something like that. Well, and that's going to be the other thing is I think the biggest the biggest linchpin player in this year's free agent class is a guy that has a better profile than Kenneth Walker, Josh Jacobs, Brees Hall, all these guys. It's Josh Jacobs. Like, he has the profile. He was a first-rounder. He has been an elite bell cow running back since he came into the league. Now, you may not like him. A lot of people are like, oh, he's too injury-prone. He's not as good as his touches are, you know, whatever. But if you look at his body of work, of what he's done in his four years in the NFL thus far, and you just give me, like, his profile specs, you're like, damn, that, that guy is every bit as good as Javante Williams, Kenneth Walker, Travis Etienne. He's, he's as good or better than every other running back basically right now that we would go, oh yeah, that guy's going to get a big extension when he's a free agent. Right. So I think Jacobs is one of the guys that whatever the market is for him, 
that's going to be a little bit of a forecast of what the future is going to look like. So if you're sitting here holding the, you know, Kenneth Walkers, the Travis Etienne's, and you're thinking, oh, the Travis Etienne, Eric, in three years, let's say they don't pick up his fifth year option, which I think that's another thing that's coming. Why would you ever pick up a fifth year option for a running back when literally they have to like beg you to come back? when they hit free agency, you know what I mean? Like, why would you hand, why would you purposely pay a non like super elite guy like McCaffrey or Barkley? Why would you ever pay them 11 million a year on a fifth year option? You know, like that's stupid. Right. So like I can see Jacksonville being like, yeah, we're not picking up ETN's fifth year option, but like his contract could look very similar to what Josh Jacobs looks like. And what if the NFL goes, yeah, Josh Jacobs, you're worth about 6 million a year then what, you know, like that could be a legitimate thing where we're like, damn, Josh Jacobs is one of the best profile running backs. We're going to see hit free agency outside of this window of these elite tiers of running backs that have been here since 2016. He is the best running back. We're going to see in this class profile wise hit free agency. And what if the NFL goes, yeah, that guy's worth about two year, $12 million. You know, three year, $20 million. Like, what if that's the best offer he gets? What does that say about the future running back landscape to where teams are just like, yeah, we're not paying these guys. We'll pay the, we will pay the elite weapons, the McCaffrey's, the Barkley's, you know, we'll pay the elite guys, but outside of the top three or four, there's no reason to really pay any of them more than, you know, what it would cost me to get uh, an average receiver or what it would cost me to get an average cornerback or something like that like the run-of-the-mill replacement level cornerback or receiver costs you six or seven million i mean what did fucking like cedric wilson get braxton barrios like those guys are getting more money than like josh jacobs might yeah so how do we play that for dynasty like to me if the nfl starts doing that what does that do to running backs coming into the league do you think guys start seeing that and going like, dude, you know how hard it is to be as good as Josh Jacobs? And when he hits his free agency, he doesn't even make jack shit. But if right, I'm just I like mean, an average slot receiver, I'm making 10 million a year. Honestly, I think it's going to happen. What we saw a little bit of last year, like Charbonnet went back. A couple of these other guys went back when they could have came out because they're going to stick and take the NIL money. Hey, I might as well stay and take this extra two million uh, in college because, like you said, I I might not get you know I'm gonna get drafted in round four or five. I'm not gonna be barely making two million dollars over the life of my contract. You know, might as well take that college money and stay that extra year for a senior year. So we're gonna see a lot more senior running backs. I would think would be my my guess big picture too do you see some of these guys that maybe they're maybe it's too late for the guys that are currently in college or like deep in their high school careers but do you see from like a coaching level and a development level do you see teams starting to say like if i have a 12 year old that is a good enough athlete to play receiver or running back that, that i'm making him a slot receiver instead or I'm, you know what I mean? Like the best weapons are now going to not play as much running back or the new running back is going to be more like the Devin a chain type where they're small, but they're a weapon. They're, they're not even really viewed as the NFL as the same as Zach Charbonnet. Like, I think teams probably would tell you if they're evaluating, like, let's say they're evaluating Zach Charbonnet and Devon a chain. They're not even viewing them as the same position, right? 
Like they're probably not looking at him like, well, that's a running back and that's a running back. We need a running back. So we'll just take either one because they're totally different. But yet their position both says running back. So do you think this kind of creates like almost like a new evolution of what the running back looks like where every team now has a Devon A chain and a James Cook and every team has a Jamal Williams and then maybe you sprinkle in a Boston Scott. You know what I mean? Like every backfield just has like three weapons. Yeah, I can But see you never want to like overpay that. for any of them unless they're like a Derrick Henry type, like just a cyborg. Right. Yeah, no, I could see that for sure. I don't I don't see any problem with that. Like I said earlier, you know, they these teams are having you know, we thought, okay, two running backs is gonna be, you know, the the tandems. Well now it's like a trio, basically. There's a lot of teams that have three running backs that they use, you know, kind of like the Eagles, Sanders, Gainwell, and Scott. You know, there's a couple other teams that have the same kind of thing. Like, um, you know, I can't really think of one off the top of my head, but there's a couple teams that have trios that, you know, they have three pretty good guys. The Lions had three pretty good guys this year with Justin Jackson. If you add to him in, he played pretty decent this year. It's going to be a small role, like maybe five or six touches, but they're going to have a little bit of value, you know, and I, you know, we've already seen it. Like these guys just don't have that Derrick Henry 25 carry a game workload. Like it's just non-existent now. It's maybe 15, 16 carries is going to be your max. And then your backup's going to have 10 carries. And then that third guy might have three or four, five carries. So I think that's kind of where we're going. Yeah. I think the question I asked you about the change in the position philosophy, like that's, that's probably like five years down the road to where we'll start seeing yeah, that type of Yeah, I can impact. definitely see it. Yeah. But I think psychologically, if we start knowing that that's on the horizon, that we can start changing the way we view the position to where I'm starting to look at running backs as on my dynasty teams every other year or every year, I need to be willing to like just churn and burn almost all the running backs on my team. And I kind of want to start just looking at it like, when I buy a running back, I'm buying like here's here's an example. Have you ever rented a car before? Um, I ha- I have, I've had to rent a car once. Like my car got fucked up in a crash one time. Yeah, right. So basically, when you rent a car, you are paying to get from one place to another. Right? You're mm. you're you're not getting any investment value in the car. You're literally just paying for a service. You know, right? right. Same as if you like lease a car. You're paying for the comfortability of getting to drive a new car, but you're not investing in anything really. Like you're not paying it down like you would if you bought it. You're really you're just paying like a fraction of the cost of it. You're mostly what you're paying for is just to use the service. It's like you know paying somebody for a ride. You, it's a it's a lost expense. Once you pay it to them and you get from one place to another, you've lost your investment. You're not investing right, in anything. Right. That's kind of how I'm starting to look at running backs. Like when I buy a running back for a second. If I can get six starts out of them, I paid for my ride. And I never expected to get anything back. You don't you don't call for an Uber and be like, yeah, I got to place play from place A to place B a little faster. So give me a little of my money back. You know what I mean? It's over. You paid for it. You got your mileage, you, you got your ride, and you're done. That's like kind of the same thing that you you think with running backs. And I don't think we still view the running backs like that in rookie drafts still. The community still looks at these guys and goes, Oh man, I can get I can get three or four years out of this guy, right? Uh, Zach Evans, if he just lands in the right spot, Eric, he could be a bell cow. He could be a guy that starts for me for five years. Whereas I'm looking at the guys like that going, my expectation is 
I probably don't want Zach Evans if everyone else thinks he could be a four-year starter because they're going to overpay for him, right? I, give me the guy that you don't like, but he can give me one year of Brian Robinson. I'll pay a second for that. And so I think that's how we have to, that's how we can get ahead of the masses because a lot of people still look at these profiles and go, oh man, that Zach Charbonnet, man, if he goes in the early third and he goes to a good spot, guess what? He's going to be a starter for multiple years. Now you could get multiple years of starts out of him, but the expectation shouldn't be that you're going to see that because I don't think there's a lot of those guys just coming down the pike every year. So it's more of just when you buy running backs, like you just be willing to, you pay for what you're getting out of them. If they get hurt, if they fall down the depth chart, if they get cut, they suck. You just lose. There isn't like a, hey, let me invest in this running back and then let me get out at a high price. That's the dream. The dream is if you can draft Tyler Algier in the third, you actually used him for a year and then you can sell him for like two seconds. That's a dream, but that wasn't the expectation when you took him. And I think you're on board with that. You don't draft running backs in rookie drafts so you can flip them for a profit, right? Most no. of the time, you're not. Yeah, I don't have enough to to do that. Like, I might have a few teams where I got lucky and end up with like five or six really good ones, and then I can do it, um, flip them for a profit. But most of my teams, I'm like, fuck, I need that Tyler Algier on my team, you know. So then, what do you do if you have uh, like a Damian Pierce and a Tyler Algier on a team where you were desperate for running back help, but you're sitting on those two guys where you can clearly. Maybe if you can't make a, maybe you don't make a massive profit, but you can sell both of those guys for more than you paid for them. And you got some points out of them last year, right? Like they probably gave you some starts. How would you handle like when, let's say you do have a couple of those guys in your portfolio. Do you just sell them based on the process, knowing that what we're talking about, you should be able to just replicate getting more of those guys every year, as long as you have picks. I think I want to ride those guys for at least two years if I can. And then maybe that third year is when I, I'll go ahead and do it. But, like, unless it's, like, a massive profit, like you kind of talked about, like, I drafted Algier in the third round, and now I can get two seconds for him. Like, I probably would be fine moving off of him for that because I don't think Tyler Algier is some game-breaking, going to be a RB10, RB12 every single year kind of player. Like, I think he's going to be an RB2, like, around like RB, I don't know, 15 to 24, somewhere in there every single year. He's going to be like one of those types. Like that's just easily replaceable. And I just, I also don't think my strategy of just hammering the shit out of running backs in round two, three, four, five, and my rookie drafts is ever going to change. Like I don't want these day three wide receivers because they hardly ever pan out. You'll get one or two maybe in a class, but good luck trying to pick out which ones those are. Um, I might take a couple tight ends, like in this class, the tight end, uh, class is pretty nice. So I'll probably take a couple of those guys. Obviously you're not getting quarterbacks or the high end wide receivers anywhere down that low. So I'm just going to keep pounding running backs in, in those later rounds. And I'll, I'll end up getting some guys that end up starting in the NFL or, or become the next Tyler Algier. So uh, that's kind of where I'm going with them. Yeah, I think it. What you're saying is all true because I do think once you start going down that road where you're building your teams that way, you do rely more on those running backs that you've hit on. You rely more. You probably are relying more on a Tyler Algier if you got him where you got him last year on a team that was desperate for running back than the guy that just happened to grab him, but they also had five guys ahead of him. You know, 
that team is probably the one where it's like, oh, I can afford to trade him. And I'm with you. A lot of my teams, I'm like, man, I want to sell some Tyler Algier. I want to sell some Rashad White because I, I honestly don't think those guys are any better than uh, at least a dozen running backs in this class. And they're not better than 10 to 15 running backs in free agency. You know what I mean? Like they honestly, and both of those guys, you could be like, yeah, they're not starters anymore. And you'd be like, okay, that doesn't shock me. But I look at my roster and I go, well, damn, like Tyler Algier is my best running back on my team. So Yeah, because probably on that team you thought, oh, man, I got Damian Harris. I got Alex Madison. I got Tony Pollard. I got all these guys that. You know, we're really good last year. Well, Madison wasn't, but you get my my point. And then now coming into 2023, we don't know what any of their roles are going to be. We don't know if Pollard's going to be back with Dallas. We don't know where Damian Harris is going to end up. We don't know where Madison's going to end up. So now your running back room is completely flipped to where Algier was your RB5. Now he's your RB2, you know, and you kind of need him. So you can't really flip him. Yeah, it is. It feels like a, one of those tr- trains that once it starts rolling and you're playing this way and you've designed your team this way that you kind of have to just continue to hammer these guys every year and be selective with when you have a team that just happened to luck into a really, really good run of running back picks, right? Let's say you have Pierce, Rashad White, Algier, Brian Robinson all on one team. It, it does make sense to go, okay, maybe I'll trade one or one of them, you know, two of them and just cash back out, especially if I can get the leverage deal where, you know, can I trade Rashad White for two seconds? If I can do that, I would just take it because that gives me two shots, right? Like I'm confident with two shots, I'm going to be able to repeat Rashad White, if not get two of them. So until you get deals like that, it makes it hard to trade them because we're playing this way. And I think it's still the outlier in terms of how people are going to play. Cause what happens right now, if you put Tyler Algier on the block in your league and you try to sell him to some random players, what do they say? Mm, probably they say, Oh dude, he's a fifth rounder. He's going to get fucking replaced. Right. Uh, yeah. They could say that. So they're or... not going to probably want to buy. The only reason they want to buy right. him is because they're like, Oh, maybe I can get him cheap, but they're not going to want to sell at a, Oh, Eric, I know Tyler Algier is going to be the starter. Let me go pay 10% more than what you're asking for. That's how right. you're trying to sell them. So it, until the masses start to catch up to the fact that you should never view these guys as, oh, man, I'm going to get multiple years out of Tyler Algier. Like you should never view them that way. We're not necessarily viewing them that way, but I would like to sell for a little bit of a profit, but it's hard, especially this time of year where it's like everyone's scared to buy any running back. Like people are even scared to buy Jonathan Taylor and Brees Hall at what they're going to cost, let alone like the backups. So it's just interesting. But I also think their costs have gone down too. Like we, we yes, talked about have. Jonathan Taylor for three first. He, that ain't ever happening right now. You can probably still get Taylor for one first this year. Yeah. Well, and that, that's my last question for you is with what we're talking about, are you going to find yourself? I'm already doing it with taking some running backs more aggressively in startups now because you can get such good deals on them. I don't mind drafting, you know, I don't mind doing a startup where I leave with like Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Damian Pierce. Like I'll take like four of those guys with where they're going because you're getting them all outside of like the top five rounds. You know what I mean? I can still build quarterbacks and a couple receivers and still end up getting potentially like three or four good running backs because they're just falling. That's what I did in our uh, our latest USFL best ball. Like here, I have just pulled it up. My running backs, 
I drafted um, Kendra Miller. I got James Conner for cheap. Um, where I drafted him in round nine in the startup. Clyde edwards alaire round eleven in the startup. Uh, Joe Mixon I got in the auction for thirty three bucks. David Montgomery I took at the six eleven. Rashad Penny ten eleven. Jonathan Taylor I got for seventy bucks. Kenneth Walker seventy nine bucks. And me and you are like, uh, we don't want to have all these running backs on our teams, but the value was all there just to take the running back. So I just hammered the shit out of them. Yeah. Well, and that my last point was, are you going to find yourself? Because with what we're talking about, if the whole running back landscape kind of diminishes in value as a whole, like you just said, doesn't it make hitting on one of those elite seasons even more of an advantage if you catch it? If you catch yeah, one of sure. those like awesome McCaffrey seasons or whatever, like feels like if you have that, that's a way bigger advantage today than it would have been five years ago because there were so many guys that were producing at a higher level. Now, like you hit 25 points per game, you're probably beating the field by like 20%, you know? Yeah, and I think those guys are a little more easily or um, identifiable because if they can't catch the ball, then they're not hitting that numbers. Chubb isn't hitting that number. Derrick Henry's not hitting those numbers. Um, well, unless they have like a two thousand yard rushing season, he's not hitting touchdowns. those numbers at, at yeah. age twenty nine. Right, exactly. So you got to have a certain archetype of you know Barkley, McCaffrey, Eckler that catches 70, 80 balls a year. Like otherwise, you're not hitting that season. So. I mean, does that make you want to be a little more aggressive on buying like Jonathan Taylor low or buying Bijan? Yeah, I, I definitely want to buy some Jonathan Taylor low for sure. Um, I'd be fine with taking some buying some Brees Hall if I can. I don't I don't I don't know what Brees Hall's market is. You could probably tell me better um, right now than I could because I have pretty high. I mean, it's pretty high. Like it's he's like I mean RB, he's RB one on three trade cut. Yeah, yeah. so. But has it imagine. has it fallen because of Brees Hall, or has it just fallen because the position has bottomed out? And you're like, well, I got to put somebody there, right? That's what we talked about last week. Like somebody has to be RB three. Who the hell yeah. else is it other than Brees Hall? Right, right. So, yeah, I'm just I'm kind of. It feels like there's going to be a lot more haves and have nots with about 95 percent of the running backs being have nots. But if you have one of those top five percent of the haves. It feels like we're probably not aggressive enough in getting them when they're there. You know what I mean? Because we're still scared of, oh, I don't want to buy, I don't want to buy Jonathan Taylor because what if he gets injured again, Eric? Well, like anybody can get injured, but I think it is. It makes it more pragmatic to take shots on these guys that we know can be the twenty-plus point per game running backs and build around them. And if you're wrong, you're wrong, but you can't downgrade the whole position, but then also not upgrade the elite guys at the same position at the same time. It has to be kind of a push and pull. So to be determined for a future show, but I think we could, we could dive more into running backs, but I thought it was a good discussion for this week since we were talking about the dynamics of how these teams are building and we're going to get to free agency here in a month. And we're going to be probably surprised with um, just my assertion is we're going to be surprised with how shitty the running back offers are. How many yeah, teams no. are just like, yeah, man, I, I, I mean, I'm not paying a running back more than four or man, five like million said, a year. We're going to have a bunch of running backs that are still available after the NFL draft, and they have to wait until the uh, after the draft to see what these teams do. You know, like I said, if, um, you know, Denver or 
you know, what name whatever team you want, they end up picking up a running back. Well, you know, we're not going to go sign a Kareem Hunt or a Latavius Murray or whoever. You know, they're not going to go re-sign these guys. They're going to just take the rookie running backs because obviously they're younger, they're cheaper, and probably uh, have less miles on them. So they're going to want to have these guys cause, because of that. They're not going to want to pay, you know, uh, you know, like you were talking about De- Deontay Foreman, $3 million when I can draft um, – and round five, I can draft a running back, you know? So, I agree. Yeah, maybe we'll do a, another running back show right around free agency. Because I, I do think this is the key time in Dynasty. If you can move the right running backs for picks and get some of those, like, yeah, I sold this guy for two-thirds. Like, someone just messaged me today. They said they sold Samaj P. Ryan for an early second. Like, that's just oh, a fish wow. that's buying. But the point is, there was actually somebody willing to buy Samaj P. Ryan. They actually had – he said he had somebody right. that came to him and said, hey – I think Mixon's not going to be the starter. Let me buy P Ryan. I think you or I, if someone said, "Hey, I want your P Ryan," we'd be like, "Sweet, I can sell a P Ryan." You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And then they told you, oh, "I'll give you uh, this two hundred three for him." I'd yeah. do a fucking cartwheel on camera for you. But the the point is, though, if somebody comes to me and says, "Hey, I'm interested in buying your Zach Moss for a third, I'm like, done. Yeah. You know? Like I'll I'll just you can have a bunch of guys for picks if you can hit on the right guys to sell now for picks and just take the picks. There's going to be a, a reverse market on that later on. You want to be the one that has the picks where you can start buying back some of the deals we've talked about in the past. Oh, hey, I can buy three running backs for the picks after free agency when the guy doesn't get signed. You know, maybe I can take three shots instead of drafting the what 20 Ty Chandlers or whatever it is like. There, there's going to be a market where you'd just rather have the pick. So if you can find people to kind of sell on some sort of prognostication or what they think is going to happen, take the picks, and then you can reverse it later and spend them on something else when you're more sure of what you have in front of you. All right. I, I like it. Good conversation there for us. And like you said, I think we can revisit that after um, when free agency fires up or right before free agency talks. Um those uh, free agency podcasts will be fun to talk about, like these landing spots and kind of how they're going to affect their depth chart and stuff because that's some of the stuff that me and Scott like to talk about. So I'm looking forward to those. Yep. yep. Less than uh, less than five weeks now, we'll be in the heart of free agency talk. Literally five weeks from today, we will be like, we'll have all the free agent information in front of us. So I'm pumped. Yeah, I can't wait to see who the Browns blow all their money on and he fucking sucks. Can't wait. Yeah, me too. Yeah, thanks. All right, you ready for America's favorite game? Uh, yeah, this is America's favorite game. Uh, thirty-one. We've done it thirty-one it times now. So let's hear it. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go back to something you talked about at the beginning of the show with your with your thirty-one ice cream flavors. Yeah, let's do it. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? All right, so. I've only had this one time in my life. Damn, it's your favorite? Well, get to the story. So when I was a little kid, all I ever wanted was mint chocolate chip. Okay? So, I mean, I I wanted mint chocolate chip since I was – since I literally knew what ice cream was. So, like, probably five years old or younger. But I used to get – like, you'd go to the grocery store and you could get, like, those pints of ice cream where it was just, like, a a single pint. And I – you know, I was – I definitely packed on the pounds when I was little, so I could eat a whole pint probably when I was like five. So a little bit of negligence by my parents by being like, hey, which ice cream do you want? Here you go. 
just eat it until you're done. It was there was no yeah, like, sit in the corner and shut the fuck there was, up. And yeah, leave there me was no for a there bit. was no portions or anything. I think they're like, yeah, we can give Scott this ice cream and he'll shut up and not do anything for like a half hour. We can just sit there and you know not have to deal with him fighting with his sister or whatever. So they would always give me mint chocolate chip. Probably like at least once a month, I'd get my own mint chocolate chip, but I wouldn't eat the mints. I'd spit them out. So I literally would have a bowl and I'd spit out the chocolate chips. Cause I just didn't, I didn't like, like most mint chocolate chip has like a dark, darker chocolate in it. You know what I mean? And I just didn't like the taste. So I would spit them out. So I'd literally sit there and I would scoop them out. Like I would eat the ice cream off of the chips and I would just spit out the chips. So I'd have this bowl of like chocolate and I would just want the mint. So I always would, I would always tell my dad, like, we need to create like mint ice cream. Can we just get the mint ice cream, but don't put the chocolate chips in it. And there's only one time I ever found it where you could actually just get mint ice cream. So that's it. That's my favorite. I'll still eat mint chocolate chip now. I actually appreciate it a lot more. Right. I, I like the chocolate chips now. But when I was a kid, it was like, dude, just give me the mint ice cream and nothing else. You know, fuck those chocolate oh. chips. Interesting. Okay. My favorite is one that isn't around anymore. Um, at least I haven't been able to find it either. I think it was um, – there was a couple different brands that had it, but there was like this brand called um, – oh, I think it was Mayflower or something like that that used to have them. There was like a yellow box, and they had lemon ice cream, oh, and it I'm was getting, fucking I'm getting good. With that. Yeah, it was lemon ice cream, so it was really, really good. Like there's some companies now that have like different ones. It's like lemon pie ones or lemon sorbet or whatever it is, but it's not like the lemon ice cream like I used to have on that. So that's always been my favorite flavor. Um, if I have to choose something that's everyday modern now, I always go with the uh, chocolate chip and cookie dough. Those are always my favorite. Yeah, Dairy Queen, uh, Dairy Queen Blizzards with cookie dough. Whenever yeah. I get a Dairy Queen, I'd get cookie dough Blizzards because they literally put like real cookie my, dough chips in there. Yeah, my one this year that I've uh, did a Dairy Queen, they had um, frosted animal cracker cookies in there. It like actually, so... like they just took the animal crackers like you'd get in the box and just threw them in the ice cream. Yeah, but they like you know they're broken up into little pieces and stuff. Yeah. It's not like yeah. the full ones, but yeah, they would they did that um, this uh, this summer. Those were really really good. I I liked those a lot. Um, and I've also been into, uh, I mean, it's not really. I guess it's kind of ice cream, but root beer floats lately. I've been fucking doing those a lot. Those really? are always good. Yeah. What kind of ice do cream you have, do you use uh, in root beer floats? Just regular vanilla. Um, do you have a Culver's down by you? Uh, we do. I don't think I've ever gone to a Culver's though. Okay. We just got one that's like, like literally like two minutes from, from my house. So I have, I've never had eight in there before until then. Uh, but they have root beer floats that they do there and they're fucking great. So. How many times have you Uber eaten a root beer float from Culver's? None. I've only, we've only been there twice and we went through the drive through. Okay. So I have that, that, that is the that is the telltale sign of just like gluttony and laziness when it's like yeah man they put a Culver's down the street three at three minutes away and whenever I got home and just had to order that Uber Eats and pay that extra like twelve bucks for the delivery <laughs> to my fucking door I'm only I'm only guilty with that with Chipotle but I've I've cut back on it now and then now that my new job is literally in the same plaza as that Chipotle. 
Um, I don't have to um, Uber Eats it anymore. I can. How many times I, are you hitting that up? I've only since I started my new job uh, last week. I've only I've went there uh, after my first day and got lunch, and then I haven't done it since. But I, but I figure if I if I don't have anything at home or I don't have something I want to make at home immediately, I might just stop in there and grab a Chipotle on the way home. Well, how much shorter is your commute now? Yeah, it went from twenty five minutes down to three. So you can justify at least once a week buying that Chipotle because you're saving on gas. Yeah, for sure. There you go. There you go. That's... And I don't have to pay the ninety five dollars in fees either. Mm-hmm. And then my my other pet peeve on that is like when you order Chipotle and you see the little you know, you've you've ordered on like a Uber Eats or something before, right? Or DoorDash. So yep. you you'll see the little map and you're like, "Okay, sweet." So so there you know, you're seeing the little car driving the little map and then they fucking go like turn down like completely opposite way from you and you're like, "What the fuck?" And they get they have to go drop off somebody else's food first, then yours. And you're like, "God damn it. Now I got now it's going to be super cold. You're going to have to wait an extra like 20 minutes. Fucking bullshit." Yeah, I mean, as long as you have a car, that that should be one of those things where it's like, "All right, any time possible, I'm going to just go get my own food, you know? Like, I'm not going to yeah. pay all the charges and have to tip the driver. Because I feel, honestly, I feel bad. Like, there's been times where, like, last summer, my wife and I did a bunch of Uber Eats. Like, literally, we were just bored, and it was a way we could, like, hang out with each other. So we would literally just do Uber Eats and just deliver it together for extra money. And it wasn't even like, and trust me, I realized quickly, like, what the fuck am I doing? Cause you don't make any money. You literally don't make any money. I'm like, this is terrible. I can literally sit home and just do podcasts and stuff and make more money than doing Uber Eats. And, but it was fun. Like we got to hang out, we would do it as a team. You know what I mean? Like she would run in and get the food and I would do all the navigation and everything. But even then, like you see what people pay and like people, would leave us tips sometimes like we would we would try to drive to like the really really nice areas too so we hit on like the you know hundred dollar carry out orders and stuff like that so we try to get nice tips but sometimes people would be like yeah man uh dairy queen you know what i mean like we would do it like late at night sometimes we're like shit there's no orders so we end up getting like you know dairy queen or fucking wendy's and it's like we don't even want to pick those up but there would be people every once in a while where, you know, they order $6 order at Wendy's or whatever the minimum is. And then they, they pay obviously like the delivery charge and stuff, but then they tip you like eight bucks. It's like, dude, this guy just paid $22 for like, you know, right, six right. bucks of Wendy's food. And he literally right. could have just gone and got it himself. So like right. you see that and you're like, oh my God, man, like that, that's what probably keeps people in business. They get one of those tips. They're like, oh, cool, man. I just made like, you know, 18 bucks an hour. And all I did is go through the Wendy's drive through. So anyway, yeah, it's definitely a waste though. I would, I, I don't order from those anymore unless it's like, I literally am stuck without a car. You know what I mean? Like at a hotel or something like that. And I literally can't go anywhere. Right, right. Then I would do it. But if it's like, I'm just at my house, like, come on, get off your ass and just go get it. Right. All that off of what's your favorite ice cream flavor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why that's literally our show. Anybody that's gotten this far in the show, our our America's Game shows are literally like, "Hey Eric, give me a topic. Hey Scott, give me a topic." Like, and we'll just hit record and start talking about it, and it turns into apparently decent content, I guess. But it's just yeah, like we, we can just take it and go anywhere, you know. I think people kind of like that. So if you hate it, All right. let us know. We'll never talk about Uber Eats or food again. 
Yeah, send all your hate tweets to at Charles Chill FFB. Unless they're hate tweets that say um, Eric's volume is too low, definitely just DM him that. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. All right, so that was it for this week. Uh, anything else you want to touch on, Scott, before we get out of here? Nope. Nope. We got right. uh, a special Destination Dynasty episode coming up this week. Uh, should be a little different, so looking forward to that. And yeah, next week we're going to, hopefully by the time we talk next week to do next week's show, we are, uh, hopefully we got MFL rolled over by then. We got numbers on draft picks instead of just random 2023 pick. We got, everyone's got to cut down their rosters and stuff. So if you're in a league with us, uh, please read the chat or the message board or the bylaws. You got to cut down your rosters. So I know a lot of people that are in there are like 15 leagues or whatever that we can miss, like read that because you got to cut down your rosters. But I think we picked what Sunday night, yeah, something Super like that. night or Monday yeah. Monday night or something. Whatever. Yeah, got to get your rosters cut down though because we can roll over MFL next week. That's always an exciting week. It, it's depressing because sometimes it takes them like six hours to do it, and then you keep refreshing to get them to get it to roll back over. But yeah, MFL rollover next week's big. Can't wait to make those dispersal sheets. My favorite. You say that, but you got to admit, you like the MFL rollover week because then you set the draft order. You can see the draft order. You got your picks. You got your picks for the I, next year. I think my favorite part this year is since we added all these USFL leagues is adding in like the actual um, like Jordan Addison to somebody's team instead of the placeholder. Yeah. And you know what? If you like that job so much, it's all you, bro. After the first, well, I don't think you're going, gonna do it. You're too fucking lazy to do it. No, I'll do it. I'll do it. But yeah, you do have to go in and essentially just drop the placeholders and add. I mean, it is a little tedious because those I think we're gonna probably have to do what fifteen to twenty of them and all of them, and just put all those guys on the teams. Like that does have to be done. It's a yeah. little annoying, but you know, part of Debbie, yeah, I be, guess. Yeah, it'll be fun. So, all right. Well, that is it for uh, for this week. Then you can find me on Twitter at Eric Manick NFL. And the show at America's Game Pod on Twitter as well. Uh, make sure you guys join in the uh, Patreon, allgas.com, uh, or Patreon slash allgas. Make sure you guys check that out. A lot of cool content going on uh, with Ray's community right now, and, and the Destination Devi crew got all kinds of good stuff going on in there. Uh, the newsletter that we put out every single Friday. Make sure you guys check that out as well. It's beehive, B-E-E-H-I-I-V dot com slash, is that all gas too? I forget. <laughs> it's been a it while. It is allgas.beehive.com. Subscribe. Okay. Whatever Scott said, that, that'll work. I know it's in our, uh, it's in Ray's profile. You guys can subscribe there as well. Um, but yeah, what do you, and then you said you got a special guest this week. I think I know who the guest is. Um, I was kind of shocked and surprised that you were, uh, you were able to get Joe Mixon on the show next week. So that'll be cool. Yeah. We're going to talk, uh, we're actually going to continue the America's game talk about why we shouldn't pay running backs with special guest Joe Mixon. So that should be fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It's going to be a special episode that, uh, we'll just talk about some startup stuff and, uh, dive into a little psychology of, uh, psychology of a dynasty player, psychology of a startup, whatever. It'll be good. If it's not, let me know. And, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. And then after the MFR rollover next week, things are going to start heating up for the off season. We're going to see Derek Carr moved probably. By the time we talk yeah. again, Derek Carr, they got to make a determination just, on him uh, by 
15th. I just saw an update uh, while we were recording here that he canceled the trip to Carolina and went back home to Vegas, and he only had the two trips to New Orleans. So maybe New Orleans is locked in. I don't know. I, it's weird because Derek Carr holds all the cards. You know? Yeah. They, they, he has a no trade clause. So, like, he essentially has the final say on who trades for him. Right. So, like, the team that's trading for him has to basically talk to him. Hey, are you going to allow us to get this trade through? So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But we should have news. That's going to be the first big move for the uh, quarterback carousel of the offseason. Like, wherever he ends up going, it, it might impact a couple teams or a couple jobs. So, we'll talk about that next week or the week after. All right. Sweet. Sounds good. All right. Uh, until next week, guys, we will see you for uh, episode 32.